0: Eleanor Roosevelt, the wife of the 32nd president of the United States, Franklin Roosevelt, once said, do one thing every day that scares you. So tell me, what are you afraid of? Hi, my name is Lane Johnson and this is Battle Leadership, where we believe the battle is where the character of the leader is revealed. I want to specifically today, thank those of you that have joined us in our journey of understanding leadership. We consider it a real privilege to work with you and to share these thoughts and things that are in our heart. Today, I want to talk to you about fear and its power. You see, the power of fear is really the result of an inability to understand the difference between risk and reward. When the fear of what could happen controls every decision in my life, I fail to realize the potential of what would happen if I chose to do something different than what I've always done. Fear is a debilitating force that prevents me from realizing the potential presented by my circumstances. You see, instead of seeing opportunities, I see dangers. And instead of seeing growth and excitement and adventure, I see failure, defeat, humiliation. Fear is the greatest enemy of growth and change. It limits my possibilities to only those things that keep me from being afraid. You see, fear makes us settle for what is instead of energizing us to discover what could be. It makes kittens out of lions and deserters out of warriors. Fear destroys commitments and renders vows void and unfulfilled. It makes my fear of the unknown the master of my future. When fear dictates my decisions, it becomes my master. When left unchecked, fear controls my relationships, consumes my resources and really limits my life. It will eventually control every aspect of who I am. Being afraid is a terrible weight. This is true because it can control my ability to move forward. Often, I will pay more attention to what I'm afraid of than what I want to accomplish. The simple truth is that I will go to extraordinary lengths to avoid what I fear, often far beyond what I would do to accomplish what I desire. In reality, the real issue is our response to fear. Bravery has been properly defined as attacking what you fear. It's simply the courage required to do something that has caused you to be afraid. Bravery does not pretend that fear doesn't exist. It simply chooses to not let fear keep it from doing what it knows is necessary to be done. I love the old quote attributed to the actor John Wayne courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. It's important to understand that fear is real, but it does not need to control us when it comes. We simply need to decide to not let it keep us from realizing our opportunities. Fear can make cowards of us all yet knowing that, we can learn how to overcome its power and destructive influence. It's important to understand this because every leader is faced with decisions, opportunities, each of which bring with them a degree of risk and uncertainty. If that leader wants to move forward, he or she will need to overcome the fear of what that risk and uncertainty could bring. He'll also need to understand what causes that fear to arise and what a perspective controlled by fear does to his potential for success. A determination to be brave doesn't always free you from what you feel, however. Some people th- seem to think that courage makes us immune to fear, so, so we can simply ignore it. We, we can remain unshaken and confident no matter what comes our way. But that kind of thinking simply ignores the obvious. Whether or not we accept its existence, fear is very real. In much the same way that an atheist attempts to discount the existence of God in order to justify his worldview, many so-called brave individuals deny the existence of fear in an attempt uh, to order to validate their courage. Both positions are really indefensible. Dealing with the power of fear requires more than a determination to be courageous. It requires a change in our mindset that allows us to see the potential along with the risk and thereby make quality decisions concerning what we are considering doing. Often the things you fear are actually not worthy of being afraid of. They're often based in improper motivation and value. You see, because fear warps your perspective, it causes us to fixate on the wrong things. For instance, when the mindset of fear controls your perspective, you often operate from one of these three reasons. Number one, you fear losing control. Your perspective focuses on the dangers or the consequences of failure and the unwillingness to look foolish. Number two, you might fear the desire, uh, as a result of your desire to remain safe and secure. You view everything in light of how it will impact your personal safety and security. You make decisions that are considered prudent and sound rather than uncertain and risky. You have a fear, number three, of losing something you consider yours. You have this thought of losing what you've worked so hard to gain and it frightens you. Before we move on, I want—I believe it's important for us to understand, however, that fear is not a weakness, not if it's used as intended. Fear is supposed to cause us to pause, to consider why we're doing what we're doing and what is motivating the decision to do it. It gives us the opportunity to make sure that the intended result is worth the accepted risk and causes us to make quality rather than rash decisions while pursuing it. With that in mind, let's explore what that poor perspective can cause us to be afraid of. We said number one was a fear of losing control. Your perspective focuses on the dangers, the consequences of failure, and the unwillingness to look foolish. You know, the most miserable people I know are individuals that have determined to control their circumstances. They stress and strain to control things that are largely uncontrollable. They demand a prearranged outcome and expect every event to measure up to their predetermined expectations. Instead of experiencing fully what did happen, they're frustrated by the fact that what happened was not what they intended You know, the truth is the only thing I control is my reaction to what has occurred. I I can't control where I started from, but I can change whether or not my feelings about it keep me from going to where I need to go. I can't control how people treat me, but I can decide to not let their negativity impact the way I treat them. I cannot control what people think I'm capable of, but I can increase my potential by challenging myself to do more than what I thought I was capable of. I cannot control what happens in the future, but I can impact how it impacts me by preparing to be the best I can become. We were never designed to control our lives. We were created to grow and mature under the weight of what we face. You see, you were created to accept a responsibility and use it to benefit those that have access to your influence. Whatever success or authority accrues to you is the result of your acceptance of that responsibility and your success at performing it. Authority doesn't originate in us. I can't manufacture it and make it be mine. Rather, it flows through us as we allow ourselves to be used to benefit those around us. Just like control, security is something we have not been given the right to ensure. We're designed to live our lives at the mercy of doing what's right, not to see ourselves as the source of our own security. Number two, we talked about the perspective of fear often causes us to have this incredible desire to remain safe and secure. In other words, you view everything in light of how it will impact your personal safety and security. You make decisions that are considered prudent and sound rather than uncertain and risky. Because of this entire intense desire for safety and security, we'll often allow the fear of the unknown to hide the possibility of what is waiting for us on the other side. It's actually really a matter of what our purposes are. You see, when you refuse to allow the mindset of fear to control your desire for safety, you'll see safety as a fruit of purpose, not a position to be attained. You understand that you're only really safe when you're investing yourself for the benefit of someone else and not in the absence of conflict or threat you realize that safety is really non-existent. Being safe is impossible without being totally in control, and, and none of us have been given that ability. Instead of being safe, we should desire to be effective and worthy. The Webster Dictionary defines worthy as having sufficient worth or merit to receive one's honor, esteem, or reward. This allows us to increase in value as a result of our service rather than as a result of accumulating valuable things. Our value is safe because we are investing in things that really matter and something that cannot be taken from us. In order to attain this kind of worth, we realize that times that the cost of doing something of value requires that we accept an equally high level of risk. In other words, we accept that the value of what we are seeking to accomplish justifies the sacrifices we need to make it occur. We're talking about here really the difference between being selfless and being selfish. In order for us to truly sell out to this concept of safety in our lives, we have to acquire an attitude of selflessness, an understanding that really it's never about me. What is selflessness? Well, it's the ability to value people over position and possession. It's a willingness to sacrifice either or both of them. If it accomplishes what is best for someone else. When you understand that people are more important than what you are risking, you will embrace the cost of helping someone else succeed, even at the risk of your own personal success and prosperity. At 845 on September 11th, 2001 a hijacked, hijacked jet airliner flew into the 80th floor of the North tower of the world trade center in New York city. Carrying 20,000 gallons of highly volatile fuel, it killed hundreds of people instantly and trapped many more on the upper floors of the 110-story building. 18 minutes later, a second airliner hit the south tower near the 60th floor. Both skyscrapers soon collapsed, disappearing in an unbelievable storm of wind, smoke, and dust. The abundance of video presented in the nation's most populous city ensured that the entire world had a front row seat. Cameras captured every angle of the planes exploding into offices and helpless workers jumping from skyscrapers. New York City was rocked as 200 mile an hour winds blew caustic clouds of debris through its urban canyons. Thousands fought their way out of the ash, trying to find a place of safety. Many others, however, ran into the chaos towards the center of the destruction. Heedless of consequences, they fixated on helping those who were unable to help themselves. These individuals ran up staircases against the flow of those fleeing down. Facing terrible odds. They accepted the consequences of their decisions because they believed they were there for that very purpose. It was what they were called to do. Unfortunately, most of the people who ran into those buildings lost their personal gamble. That kind of risk taking requires an understanding that the value of what we're seeking sometimes exceeds the sacrifices we need to make. You can't risk like that if the fear of losing something you have exceeds the value of those you've been called to serve. And and that brings us to the number three point. Sometimes we fear because we have this incredible fear of losing something we consider as ours. The thought of losing what you've worked so hard to gain frightens you. Early in my life, I was working with a real estate investor. I was the real estate agent showing him ranches and large tracts of land for purchase. At the time I was working with him, he owned tracts of land in almost 20 different counties and multiple municipalities. He was very successful financially, but his health was extremely poor. During one long drive to view another ranch, he began to share some of his very personal concerns. In the conversation he told me that he'd worked his entire life to acquire everything that he had. And he was also convinced that he was soon about to die. I asked him why then were we still looking at more property to acquire? And he told me something that haunts me to this day. He said that acquiring more wealth was the only thing that had value in his life. He also told me that the greatest disappointment of his life was the fact that he was leaving all that he had. To a son he believed was an idiot at that moment it was obvious to me that somewhere along the years of his life he'd sacrifice the value he could have instilled in his son for the value of what he placed on his net worth we must understand that things we possess do not define the value of our lives they're only tools given to us to be used in accomplishing something That really does matter. I need to understand that what I have is not mine to possess. Everything I've been given since birth is a a stewardship that was invested in me for the purpose of someone else and something bigger than myself. Even the most benevolent among us, there, there exists a dangerous temptation to measure success by the amount of prosperity we enjoy. We might call it stewardship or financial freedom, but they feel that they are demonstrating their value by their ability to manage, manage and accumulate resources and wealth. You see, if this wealth is truly a stewardship, then they must realize that a true steward stores up and protects wealth for the benefit of someone other than himself. He does this so that the one or ones he serves, can use those assets at their prerogative or for their need. The resor- resources are not owned by the steward. They are owned by the ones they are being held in trust for. If I understand this risk is less intimidating. I have to understand there's nothing that I can't lo- that I can lose that for, it wasn't first given to me for a higher purpose, reputation, talent, resources, even love are investments in what I can be and what I can do for the purposes of those I have been intended to serve. Life is never about the preservation of my stuff. It's about investing what I have been given into what can come to pass in the lives of someone else. When I understand that what I've been given is not really mine to possess. I gain freedom from any fear over its loss. I become available to serve great purpose and attain great value. Just like my friend, the real estate investor, we must understand that every stewardship will eventually require an accounting and the servant that has been careless and selfish in the use of what he has been given will eventually lose all that he has. Let's recap what we learned today. Number one, fear is often the result of a need to control my circumstances. It occurs when we feel that the future must be under my control. We've learned we can overcome this fear by recognizing that every experience and every circumstance is an opportunity to mature and grow into what we have the potential to become. We cannot control how everything turns out but we can control how we react to it. Number two, we learn that safety and security are not the result of what we've accumulated. Our security is not in what we possess. It is in who we have become. Selflessness instead of selfishness allows us to experience the security of knowing that our lives matter to someone other than ourselves. We have value because of our service rather than as a result of our possessions. And number three, we learned we cannot experience the loss of what we've never desired to possess. What I have is not something I've earned. It has been given to me for the benefit of those that I can serve. We must understand that the things we possess do not define the value of our lives. They are only tools that have been given to us to be used in accomplishing something that really matters. Well, battleship leadership understands that fear is only an indication that we need to pause and consider both the risk and the potential reward in order to make quality decisions that benefit those we've been called to lead. If you enjoyed this today, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn by searching for a Battle Leadership podcast. I look forward to seeing you in our next installment of Battle Leadership.